Good morning, church. We're so glad that you decided to start your day with us. As disappointed as we are that we can't be face-to-face right now, we're so thankful that we live in an age where this type of communication is possible. And so, whether you're watching Home Alone or at one of our life group viewing parties, we're so glad that you're committed to still being the church, whether that's online or in person. If you've never filled out a Connect card in the description below, you'll find a link to our digital Connect card. If you fill that out, one of us will reach out to you and we'll tell you more ways to get connected with the church. It's so important right now, especially for us to find ways to still be connected. Also down in the description, you'll find a link to our giving page. We believe here at MBCC that giving is so important and we don't believe that it's dependent on our circumstances or what's going on in the world. That's not why we give. We give because God is the Lord of our life, because everything we have comes from Him, and this is our opportunity to still worship Him. And so uh, we don't let our giving be dependent on our circumstances, so you'll be able to find a a way to give down below. Church, for the last couple weeks, we've been going through a series called Beyond the 52, where Pastor Mike has been showing us what it looks like for us to become the church, for us to go beyond those 52 Sundays a year where we get to come together at a physical place and physically be the church? How do we move beyond that and make it a lifestyle? Now more than ever, it's important for us to understand what it means to be the church. And so Pastor Mike's gonna be continuing in that series right now and showing us how we can be the church. Hey, I want to welcome you to Mission Vale Christian Church. I'm really glad that you're with us. I wish we could, you know, be together worshiping in the same place. But as you know, with the coronavirus um, and the concerns there and legitimacy of that, we wanted to make sure that we were compliant with the CDC and their recommendations and also the governor of California, who's asked that we not have gatherings of over 250 people for the safety of others. So I just wanted you to know that that decision was made um, for the health and safety and security of you, your family, and also to our community. And we want to honor God in everything that we do. So we'll be together online for the next few weeks of the month of March. And uh, we're just going to continue to go through God's word. I'll get to that in just a moment. But um, as you know, um, there's uh, a lot of conversation, a lot of things online, a lot of news reports and articles, obviously, about the coronavirus. And we certainly want to know the facts. We don't know what's really going on. And I've come to the conclusion there's no human being that knows the facts of everything about this virus and no one that knows the future except for one, and that's God. And I want to talk about that a little bit as we're in 1 Peter chapter 1. Secondly, I'm sure you know there's been a lot of fear out there, a lot of unrest, and a lot of uh, maybe some panic. And um, I, I just wanted to reacquaint ourselves with the fact that it's times like this that God wants us to have a strong faith in Him. No matter what happens, We know that God is still on the throne. God is in control. And the hope that we have is from a genuine faith from the heart that's in Jesus Christ. Um, So um, I just wanted to um, say that up front. I wanted to get into the book of 1 Peter. Don't want to miss a step there. This um, letter that was written in 1 Peter, I hope will bring some some helpful help and some hope to us this morning. Uh, We're in the first chapter. We're going to take verses 13 to 25. And without a doubt, we certainly live in uncertain times. And I've entitled this um, series that we're doing called um, Beyond the 52. The reason that I chose that is the letter that was written by Peter, one of the followers of Christ, um, he definitely had a faith and he was encouraging others who believe in Christ that we have a faith that's just not the 52 Sundays of the year. God wants us to have a faith that's every day, 24-7. 
And, and when Christianity really moves into motion, is really um, um, moving into a state full of power through His Holy Spirit, is when those who say they follow Christ are living for Him with 100% devotion and 100% commitment. And I hope that your faith is stirred up this morning. I hope that there's a challenge for us to move to a different level of faith, to hopefully bring some, some help and hope to those that have maybe some uncertainty and some panic and fear during this time. When this letter was written by the pen of, of, of Peter, who was a follower of Christ for three years, we know that Peter's faith was definitely challenged and he was without a doubt changed. He was changed from within. Because he had that encounter with Jesus on the fishing dock of the Sea of Galilee, he saw something in Jesus that was real. He saw love from Jesus. He sensed the love of God. And he also saw something in Jesus that he was definitely on mission. There was a purpose and a plan for why the Messiah had come to that fishing dock in that day and call Peter and say, hey, Peter, I want you to come follow me. I know you're a fisher of, of fish, but I'm going to call you now to be a fisher of people. So in that moment, when he made a decision to put his faith in Christ and follow him, things would forever be different for the Apostle Peter. The occasion, 30 years later, of this, this particular letter being written in A.D. 64, right around that time, is they were living in that culture in a time of uncertainty, a time of panic, and definitely a time of fear. There was um, the government authorities in that day that were in process of executing out of a decree from the Emperor Nero that um, all Christians would be thrown in prison, Christians would be tortured, and even some of them be put to death. Nero was in power, and his one goal was to annihilate Christianity. He had decreed, and he had said from his throne that we are going to annihilate Christianity, we are going to do away with it. And so there were a lot of Christians in fear of their very life here on earth, and even the uncertainty of what would happen to their families. So it was out of that suffering and persecution and a lot of fear that Peter, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote this letter to the people. Now, I think that's just totally applicable for us today, where we live right now, even with the coronavirus, this is so applicable for us. And so he says in the first chapter, because you have a faith, because you have a living hope in Jesus Christ and the resurrection, I'm going to continue on in the 13th verse. And I want to tell you, therefore, and so let's read this together, knowing that we have a hope in Christ. And if you don't have a hope in Christ, I'm hoping that at the end of these few moments that you'll put your faith in a living God. He says in verse 13, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who is holy, or he who is called is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, in the Old Testament, he says, be holy because the Lord is holy. So without a doubt, he's calling us. God is calling us, if you're a follower of Christ, to live rightly. Holiness in its original form in the Greek and Hebrew really means to be set apart. It means to be set apart for something special, something very specific. It is certainly the attribute of everything that God is. What he's saying here is God is holy, and if we love him, we will want to be holy like he is. I think going back to the Old Testament where that verse comes from, I think about um, in the book of Isaiah, there was a man named Isaiah who was a prophet of God. He was a spokesperson for the people of Israel. 
And God loved Israel. He loved his people. And so he chose certain people to be the spokesperson for himself. And he said to Isaiah, he says, I want you to prepare this place. I want you to prepare my people for worship. So when he went into the temple in, in Isaiah chapter 6, he was getting things ready. And all of a sudden something happened. As he was in prayer, as he was in preparation for God, angels surrounded the place. The presence of God was filled in this temple, in this place, in that moment. And it actually says that they were in unison in, in, in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3. The angels in the temple with the prophets said, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. I can just imagine Isaiah in this moment, man. He's in the presence of God and the angels are saying, holy, 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 like in the book of Revelation. When we're in God's presence, man, we're just going to be in the best place ever. It is then that Isaiah covers himself and he says, I'm just a man of unclean lips. I don't even deserve to be in your presence. The reason I like that is because that's us. None of us can say we're perfect, we're holy, we can be in the presence of God. None of us can be in the presence of God. That's why it says in Isaiah, in the chapters later, 43, 15, I am the Lord, your holy one, Israel's creator, your king. And then in Psalm 77, 13, the writer says, your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God. There is no God like our God. And so the first thing we want to see here is God is holy. He is perfect. And therefore, then he's calling us to follow him in right decisions, in being like him. Now, if you're like me, you're probably at this point going, man, I don't know. I, I certainly know I'm not holy. I'm not perfect. So how can I be holy? Well, it's, it's really cool how God answered that question with his word. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the apostle Paul is writing his letter to the Corinthian church and he's inspired of the Holy Spirit to write down these words. He says in verse 17, Therefore, if any person is in Christ, they are a new person from the inside out. He's basically saying Jesus caused a change in us. And because of that, down in verse 21, he said, God made Jesus, his son, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What he's really saying is, is that through Jesus' death, when he was crucified, buried in the tomb for three days, and then he arose on the third day. Because he did that for us, we now become the perfection of God. What he's saying is, I think it's like this. God puts on his spiritual glasses from heaven, and he looks at us through the lens of his son Jesus when he sees us, and he chooses to see us as perfect and holy. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and our faith in him, we are actually made perfect in him. Now, we know we're not holy, but he chooses to see us that way, which causes us something inside of us. Hopefully, we want to be holy like God. We want to be righteous. We want to strive for that perfection through the Holy Spirit power to be more like God. So there's one thing that stands out here. If you're doing an outline or taking some notes is um, we want to walk in obedience to God and to his word. Like he says, be holy because I am holy. We want to do that. And hopefully the motivation is we want to do that because we love him, because Jesus loves us and we love him and we've stepped into relationship with him through faith. Now we want to do that. So let's go on in verse 17. He says, 
since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were made redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from uh, your ancestors, but it is with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but he was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are now in God. That's, that's what I love. We, we want our lives to just be like Jesus. We're foreigners in this land. This is not our destination. All this stuff going on right now with the coronavirus and whatever the future holds, we are not going to panic. We are not going to worry. We are not going to fret. Why? Because we're simply foreigners on the land. Our land, our homeland is in heaven. And we know that our hope is in Jesus Christ. So the question is, why are we still here? Why are we here experiencing and being in this time of crisis? Could it be that God is preparing us for heaven and he's preparing us for something great here on earth before we get there. You know, I was thinking about that word prepare as really Peter is encouraging the people of God. I want you to prepare for when Christ comes, but I also want you to prepare for the things on earth. Even though you're suffering and you're going through uncertain times and the enemy is after you, you can prepare well. I think about that word pre, prepare, pre marriage counseling. Before we got married, we went through premarital counseling. For some of us that are maybe um, thinking about getting married, we go through premarital counseling because we want to do it well. Um, when we have children and we want our wife, when she's pregnant, to take prenatal vitamins because we're preparing for the health of that child. Um, we, when we get married, maybe there's a prenup. We didn't do this because we didn't have anything in the prenup, but um, maybe in, in the prenup, there's a preparing for marriage. Um, we pre-register for an event. When we have children and we send them to preschool, we're preparing them for school. We're preparing them for life. Maybe at a wedding or a party or birthdays, there's a preparing pre-engagement for the actual event. I just believe that God is preparing us for something great. So here's a question. If you've been a part of Mission Vale Christian Church in the last few years, you know that we've been really serious about making disciples who make disciples. We don't want to be just the 52. We don't want to be just the 52 weeks out of the year. We punch our time card in for God. We go into a service on Sunday morning and life goes on unchanged. Uh-uh. We want to be devoted, committed, and Christ followers that emulate and reflect who Jesus is. So that's why you've been in a life group, hopefully. You've been part of a, a, a service team at Missionville Christian Church. You've been doing life together with other believers, not just on Sunday morning, but You've been in a life relationship with someone that you can lean on and they're teaching you about Christ and you're teaching them about following Jesus. When we mess up or we fall backwards, we have people in our life group that we can lean on and we can get encouragement from. Uh, we, we, we pour into somebody else's life. We maybe go with someone on a short-term mission trip, maybe to Mexico or, or a short-term mission that we've, we've been called of God to go on through MVCC. Or maybe we went across the street on a mission to someone just to reach out in our neighborhood and we've been on a service team. Why do we do all that? We have seven service teams here at MVCC and we want everyone to be involved in that. Why? Because we're preparing, trusting, that God 
has all this in his heart, and God has an end destination for us. Now, if you're like me, sometimes doing those prep things, being involved in all those things, sometimes it's hard to see the progress. I'll give you an example. You're praying for someone in your family to know Christ, and you've been praying and loving them and being real with them on our church mission and just being genuine with them, and you haven't seen any progress in their life. You've invited people to come to church, and ah, some people, ah, I don't really need to go to church. That's not for me. Good for you, but I don't need that. Or, you know, we got things kind of, we're busy in our life. We don't really have time for God or church. They may not say those words, but you kind of sense that. And it can almost feel like, what's the use? We just throw in the towel. It seems like there's no progress being made. My encouragement is to hang on and keep following Jesus. Be holy because I am holy. It makes a difference. It matters what you do in somebody else's life. You know, an illustration that really hit home for me as I was thinking about as I was preparing this message, what if I just said, hey, I'm just going to kind of wing this message online. We got, you know, this virus going on. It really doesn't matter. I, I will tell you, I prepared this message. I spent a lot of time because I want so much for God to get the glory, and I care about you enough that I want to present something that's good for you, good food to eat, good spiritual food. So I was thinking about preparation and trusting when we don't see the results. I remember a movie back in the days when I was um, in uh, college. It was uh, a movie that was out. Some of you may have seen it called Karate Kid. Um, and I, I love this movie for certain reasons. One is that um, it had a lot of Christian overtones in it. If you haven't seen the movie, it's basically about a kid named Daniel who moved from New York to California, single parent mom, didn't have any friends, had no support system. And uh, he was getting beat up and bullied by these kids at school constantly every day. And he didn't have anyone to lean on or help him. So he goes to one of the residents in his apartment complex who teaches karate. And he says, hey, Mr. Miyagi, can you teach me karate? And the reason I like this and I bring this up is Mr. Miyagi looks as he agrees to teach Daniel karate. He says, Daniel, if I teach you karate, you must make a pact with me. In karate, there is no I guess so. There's no, I guess I'll go to practice. I guess I'll do the things that I've been taught. I guess that I'll do this. You have to be all in. It was in certain words that he said, you have to be willing to be totally committed. So the pact was made. He shows up the next day and uh, he's ready to, to hopefully be taught karate. And Mr. Miyagi says to him, I want you to wash all these cars. And I love it in that scene. He's got like six or seven of these historical cars and uh, he hands him a bucket of, of soap and a sponge and he says, wash all the cars and I want you to wax on the wax and I want you to wax off the wax. Big circles, wax on and wax off. And while he's doing that, Daniel's thinking, Jeez, this, is, this is a waste of time. He comes the next morning as he was told to by his instructor and he goes into the backyard and he sees this beautiful backyard redwood deck. And he sees two sanders sitting there and he picks them up and he's kind of messing around with them. And, and, and his instructor, Mr. Miyagi, says to him, I want you to take these two sanders and I want you to make these big motion circles, sanding on and sanding off, to the right and to the left. The next day comes and he says, I want you to paint the house, all of the house, to the right and to the left, left-handed and right-handed. And the last day comes for his training and he's thinking, where's the karate? And he says, I want you to paint, Daniel, all the fence. And he's done painting, you know, this portion of the fence. Up, down, up, down, breathe in, breathe out. And when he finishes the fence, he says, well, I finished the fence. And Mr. Miyagi looks at him and turns his head and he says, I want you to do all the fence around the entire property. 
at this time, he is just, Daniel is so fit to be tied. He's frustrated. He doesn't see the result. Where's the karate teaching? The next day he comes back to work and he says, slams his brush down. He says, Mr. Miyagi, I've been doing this. I did everything you told me to do. Where's the karate? You haven't taught me a thing. Mr. Miyagi looks at him intently into the eyes and he says, I want you to wax on and wax off. And he begins to do these motions. And if you've seen the movie, it's at that moment that he begins to show him the karate moves. I want you to paint the fence. And he shows him the karate moves in defense. The reason I like that is because that to me, sometimes it feels like we're doing all this preparation. You're serving, you're in the life group, you're loving other people, you're praying, you're coming to prayer meetings. What's the use? I don't see the result. I don't see the payoff. We have to trust our master when he says to do these things. It will all be for him, for his glory. And I believe that God has something really big in store, even out of this crisis that we're going through right now. So the question is, what is that? There have been people that have been praying for the last 30 to 40 years over Orange County. And they've been praying for one thing, for there to be a spiritual, what we call an awakening to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in the same way, when we have prayer meetings, and I just had a conviction from God about 15 years ago, we must be a house of prayer the way God told us to. We, we have prayer meeting, and we come to prayer meeting, we learn prayer in our life groups, and we learn to develop prayer on our own, because that is our linked to God, our power source, to the Holy Spirit power. And in that moment, it may feel like, man, I'm praying to the ceiling. I don't hear the prayers. I don't see the prayers. I'm reading my Bible. I'm in life group. I'm on a part of a ministry team. And all the while, God is telling us, sand the floor, sand the floor, paint the fence, wash the car, wax on, wax off. And we have to trust that doing holiness is for the end of his glory and his plan. Here's, here's just a take in all the preparation that I think God is doing. In verses 17 to 21, we see all the things that God wants to do. And at his coming, we know that Christ is coming back. It's for him. But what about until that time? I think there is going to be a time we've been asking, and Jesus says, I will answer your prayers that there is going to be a time for people, I believe hundreds, maybe even thousands of people, that are going to come to faith in Jesus Christ. They're going to put their faith in God. People need hope. They need something to hold on to. They need an anchor, and that anchor is Jesus Christ. Not only that, but I think there's a lot of people out there that were disillusioned at some point in their life with church, Christianity, call it whatever you want, religion. We know it's not a religion, but people see it that way. I think through us living a holy life and doing what Christ called us to do, that hopefully we can give people an example of that holy living, that living hope that Peter talked about in his letter that will help somebody get to faith. I just, I think that there's a great awakening that's coming. I want you to believe with me. I want you to pray about that with me. I believe that something is going to be on earth that is powerful, that's not of this world. And it's simply a life that's changed in Jesus Christ. The greatest miracle that God can bring is a changed life when a person says yes to Jesus Christ. So God, I believe, wants us to do something out of all this. Why do we live holy life? Because he loves us and we love him. And I just believe that God wants us to have a sincere love for one another out of what he said from his word. 
So here's some things that I would leave us with. What can we do as a result of this, these verses this morning as we're watching or maybe listening to this? I, I think number one is God wants us to be proactive. Maybe in your life group or family, or you're just sitting listening to this alone and God is speaking to us right now about in the middle of this time of this virus that seems to be spinning out of control, we can be proactive. I want to call it preactive as we prepare. What does that mean? Maybe when we go down to the grocery store, when we go to pick up supplies, it's not just picking up supplies for the people that we love, which there's validity in that. God wants us to take care of our family. But what about the ones that can't take care of themselves? What about buying some extra supplies for somebody else some elderly folks who maybe can't get out, who this virus they're much more susceptible to, that we can actually reach out to a neighbor in love and care for somebody. I, I think preactive, proactive, looking for ways to help other people is a valuable thing that we can do through the power of the Holy Spirit. And do we do it so that people will see our deeds? No way. We do it because we want people to see the light of Jesus Christ. And I, I think the other thing is we don't want to be idle. We don't want to just sit around waiting for something to happen. Through the power of God's Spirit, we want to work in conjunction with Him to make something happen in somebody else's life. And I, I, just, I just want to encourage you to, to be real with somebody during this time and just be authentic and real and honest and open with people about how we're feeling. But it's a great time to tell somebody about the hope that you have. And secondly, just to love people for free. I'm convinced people are looking for a love that's for free, a love that will never leave, and a love um, that will always be there for them, for the present and for the eternal. And we have that hope in Jesus Christ. We can bring that love to somebody. I think the last one is to be on mission. We have a mission to accomplish here. God's given us an assignment, and that is to bring people to faith in Jesus Christ. And by bringing people to church, there's a wonderful way of doing that. I hope this has been encouraging for you. And maybe in your life group, there would be a time of just kind of talking about this and discussion and reading the text and what can we do proactively. And I just want to encourage you to do that. But maybe you're watching this right now and thinking, you know what? I have to say that if I were to leave this earth, I don't know if I'd be in heaven. I, I, I want to encourage you that God has given the gift of eternal life. He's given that to all of us. And we simply put our faith in him. He will receive us and we can receive him. God loves you. And he wants relationship with you. And today, possibly today, might be your moment. And so I'm going to ask that if that's your time, I'm going to ask you to pray along with me and give your heart to God. So Lord, I just thank you for the word. I thank you, God, that um, those of you out there that know Jesus Christ, that we can be holy because you're holy, God. We can see ourselves differently and, and we can walk, God, in your ways. I thank you that you've reminded us, God, that it's not silver or gold that matters but it's an eternity with you, a relationship with you, God. And Lord, if there's anyone out there right now watching or listening to the sound of my voice, I, I pray that you would speak to them, that you love them, that you died on a cross and rose again so that they could have eternal life. And life starts now. So if that's you, I just want to ask you to pray along with me in your heart. Lord Jesus, I give you my heart. I ask you to forgive me of all the things I've done wrong. I receive you now. I accept you now. I believe in you now, God. And I believe that you died and rose again, and I surrender my life. I receive you now in Jesus' name. Hey, if, if you prayed that prayer, if you made that commitment, um, Mission Vale Christian Church is here for you. When this uh, virus uh, passes, we're going to be back here on campus. You can always check us out at mvcchome.org. We would love to help you in your faith. And 
Until the month of March, I look forward to seeing you again online as we stay in the Word and stay together as a community of believers for Jesus Christ. God bless.